Hello and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And welcome to the month of Halloween, everyone. That's right, it's October, that means it's Halloween month. Yes, it is. It's it's Scorpio season, it's Halloween season, it's just, it's it's quite a, quite a time. And this week we're talking about a somewhat spookily tinged episode um season two episode five white out yes one of one of my favorites definitely like one of my favorites of of, uh of seasons two and three for sure uh you get you get fun winter outfits you get drunk adora you get um scorpia and catra you get seahawk being funny i mean it's it's uh it's a real delight yeah, compared to a lot of the other uh, offerings we've had this season, this one really picked it up. I think especially the past two episodes have been somewhat lacking in a lot of areas, specifically uh, character drama and comedy. Mm-hmm. I think that was one thing we definitely picked out on Signals, is that it was just kind of a whole lot of not much for most of its runtime. Yeah, for sure. Like, I think, um, I think the last one picked up on the comedy angle like quite a lot. I mean, that was kind of the main thing it had going for it. But yeah, they've been the last two have been just a little bit lackluster, all things considered. But you know, certain I wouldn't call them bad episodes, but definitely like by comparison, like with Whiteout, like this is this this sets the bar back where it needs to be. I think with the show. Yes, we've got some great juicy character drama, some really funny comedy in here, some some pretty good action scenes even. Uh, let's go ahead and start out with the kind of setting for this episode. So Catra, uh, Scorpion, and Trapta, the super pal trio, are out in the middle of the tundra looking for First One's tech. And, you know, a winter mission means one thing, winter gear. Yes, everyone gets really fun winter outfits, and it is so fun. So, and Trapta's got, like, this fun, fluffy coat on, Catra. Like, everyone's got, like, quite a lot of, of fluff going on, really. Um, I love I love Bo's, like, weird vest that he has, where it's got, like a, like, a buckle, like a belt that goes around, like a sash, kind of. Um, Scorpia's got these really fun claw warmers. I love Glimmer's giant, like little dorky earmuffs she looks very cozy uh catra is a little underdressed and very cold the whole time i mean she she's not willing to sacrifice the aesthetic she's still got fingerless gloves on should probably be putting fingers on those gloves at this point you know you're probably in like minus 10 degree weather here yeah she's got the aesthetic of like well she obviously she's an agile fighter so she can't get anything too bulky she likes to like form-fitting uniforms, and so she's taking this sort of slim, lighter jacket. But yeah, that's not that's not sufficient out here in the tundras. Notably, the only character who doesn't get a good uh, winter glow-up is Adora, and that's because apparently Shira is just kind of unbothered by the cold. Yeah, I guess she just like she's uh, she's got like a barrier, like an anti-cold barrier going on, uh, which is hey, you know. Well, see, because because the thing is, right? She gets the um, she gets the the Shira anti cold barrier, but then she gets the second cold barrier of being just completely smashed, 
and not in a headspace to even feel the fact that she's cold. So she's been she's pretty content for most of the episode. Right, but obviously the the big standout of the looks here in this episode is going to be Seahawk. I love this huge puffy coat combined with the ski goggles. Where to cop? Please tell me, Mister Hawk. Oh yeah, it's great. Like the the coat the coat is amazing. Like it looks so warm. It looks so warm, despite the fact that he still has that little pinhole thing in the center of his shirt. Yeah, right. Like he doesn't even he doesn't even button his coat. It's it's that big and fluffy. You don't even gotta button it. He looks like a big emperor penguin. He does. He is very penguinish in this episode. He's very sort of round. Notably, Bo's little thing uh, still bears his midriff, but he has like a thermal undershirt on, so he doesn't actually get cold. Yeah, he's got like long johns on under everything, which is really funny. So the um, the sort of main deal with this episode is a, a, a kind of repeat of the uh, Entrapta introduction episode. The same object, that, that disc that contains the first one, Virus, which she fixed at the end of that episode, uh, Catcher finds it and decides it's time to, uh, you know, she hears about how it can apparently drain Shira of her powers and says, ooh, I want to look into that. Um, and so she does. And this is kind of the 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 uh, version two of Drunkadora, where she gets a lot more time to be very goofy. Yeah, no, they they really they really made a lot of space uh, for her to have some fun with with uh, with Adora in this episode. Like, uh it's it's great. She, I, I want to know how much of it was ad-libbed, because I bet a pretty fair amount of it was, and it's really, really good. I wonder if she actually, like, like went into it maybe a little, a little wine drunk. That would be really fun. I don't get that sense. This is, de- like, this is definitely cartoon drunk, um, but I could maybe see it. There's a couple lines that sound kind of, like, actually tipsy, like, um, the... The ones where she kind of, like, drops an octave and she just goes into, like, probably, like, her actual real register. Like, that. That's those are the ones where I'm like, okay, maybe she's, like, actually a little tipsy. Yeah, and she's just kind of flopping all over the place. She's a great uh, add-in for all of these Scorpion Seahawk scenes we're going to be talking about a little bit later. Um, something I wanted to hit before we move on with that, though. Catra, in this episode, I think is interesting because this is the first time Adora and Catra have seen each other since the Battle of Bright Moon. Um, like, they, they have not had any face-to-face encounters at all, which is, you know, it's it's kind of easy to forget because Catra has been such a, an omnipresent um, presence in Season 2 so far, but all of it has been her plot lines, and they haven't really intersected with Adora's at all yet. So with this one... It's very interesting um, that when she she hears Adora like call her name on that bridge, her she has a fairly strong reaction. Like, you know, her ears flatten, and we and we get a close up of her of her eyes kind of going into fight mode. Yeah, both of them have a very strong reaction to each other. Like, you know, this is I think post Battle of Bright Moon. Like they're starting to. This is this is the point where really I feel like both of them really do have a fight or flight response to seeing each other. Like it's it's less like a 
there, there were bits, I think, especially in, in the earlier and mid parts of season one, where it was kind of almost more of like a playful situation, like more of just like a friendly rivalry than it was like an actual adversarial thing. Uh, but you can definitely tell, like after the Battle of Bright Moon, like the, these two definitely are, are very much on opposite sides of a war here. Like they're they they definitely have uh some some negative feelings uh associated here and there's like like adora also has this really strong reaction uh to katra like immediately like no like there is no pause she is just bolting after her like they they exchange like one line of dialogue and she is just already on top of her as fast as possible um just really going at it it's actually kind of interesting juxtaposition i feel like um the way that um she's fighting in this particular instance versus how she fights when she goes into berserker mode because she's still really gunning for katra like she is 100 intending to to kick her here but um a lot of it is with um non-sword weapons right like you get she she busts out the baton she busts out the 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 rope i think that's it was there a third one uh like some kind of staff thing like a bow staff yeah yeah like a bow staff too um but notably nothing like super deadly and you know and catcher makes like a comment like oh you never would you don't have the guts and then of course once she goes berserker mode she is just really going for kill shots on Katra, like, major big time, like, like, the sword, she's swinging the sword so fast, like, it's on screen for a frame, and it is, like, a smear. Right, so, the thing about this Berserker Adora is that when she got infected in System Crash, um, she lost the sword immediately, and so all we saw was, like, goofy, fuzzy, drunk Adora. We didn't really see what the actual effects of the virus were, as it turns out, what the virus does is send any first one's tech. Uh, it 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 comes in contact with completely berserk, and that does include Shira in the situation. And yeah, berserk Shira is pretty scary. She's she's just a, a Terminator out to kill, pretty much. Um, all all traces of Adora are just completely gone. You know, you, you've just got your your. You're a giant murder lady here, swinging a sword, you know, larger than you are, right at your head. Yeah, she is, she's like, she's got this scary, like, semi-robotic voice going on. Like, she's screaming, and it's got, like, the, like, these, these, uh, undertones to it, and that's really cool. And, yeah, she just, she's, she is completely indiscriminate. She will kill anything that moves, um, and she will kill you, is, like, the whole thing. Like, she ends up breaking off an entire shelf off of this glacier and sending the rest of the best friend squad, uh, into a ravine. Um, of course, Catra's having the time of her life watching this. She's like, oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, this is really short-lived, of course, because, um, Terminator Adora uh, needs another target, and it turns out Katra is that target. Yeah, she only gets uh, saved from getting turned into a sliced salami by Scorpia's quick intervention. Um, she she tackles Adora, Adora loses the sword, and that's how we get, you know, regular old drunk Adora. Uh, Katra gets to gloat a little bit, and notably, she thinks that 
she can use Adora in this state as a kind of weapon. I guess her plan would be she would just kind of like push Adora out into the field, give her the sword, and then run away. Um, and she says several times, I have Adora under my control, which is not entirely accurate. Mm-hmm. You have Adora as a thing that you can point to you can point her in a direction and she'll slaughter everything in that direction i guess you do have that um but that's not really control no i would say that's actually quite the opposite of controlled really like her plan's very bad actually and the thing so the thing about her plan right is it feels a little bit less like a uh ah yes this is my plan to defeat the alliance and more this is my chance to finally control adora and bring her back to me you know a little bit she's like ah yes i have got her back now and she's and she's all mine and this is entirely just for the war effort don't ask questions yeah there's definitely an edge to this that is covered by catra's sort of gleeful you know Ah, we finally have a great weapon under our control that is this sort of, oh, well, she's, uh, you know, if I can finally bring her back to the Horde, it's great. I mean, as a weapon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as a weapon, don't worry about it. It's it's cool. But, again, like, her plan is just so bad. It's like, yeah, okay, you give, so you have Drunkadora, which is pure liability. Like, she she'll just do whatever. She's totally delirious, right? Um, or two, you you hand her the sword and just really hope that she moves in a forward direction and not towards you, the person who just handed her the sword. Yeah, it's a, it, you know what it reminds me of? What? It reminds me of the bad guys from Jurassic World 2. Do you know the plan of the bad guys in Jurassic World 2? I have not seen a Jurassic World movie, but this sounds quite exciting. What was the plan? Well, okay. Well, first of all, in the first Jurassic World movie, they cloned like a super dinosaur called Indominus Rex that was super smart and super deadly, and it was like the biggest T-Rex ever. Of course, naturally. Um, They kill that. Um, the, The second movie is about a rich guy genetically engineering indominus-esque raptors to use as weapons for private military that sounds totally great i bet that can't possibly backfire basically what they would have to do is paint targets with like a special pheromone or like special light spectrum or something um but it's still like a wild animal um so as soon as it's done and also like I don't know, man. A raptor isn't going to do much against any kind of armored encampment or, like, a tank or even really a truck. Yeah, like, what? this, this, okay, like, this ain't Fallout, all right? You aren't the Enclave with your friggin', like, uh, like, death claw, radio-controlled death claws here, right? Like, this is in the post-apocalypse. You're talking about fighting an actual military with a dinosaur that is mildly larger and smarter than most average dinosaurs. And, like, I don't know, a similar thing. We're like, I don't think this really holds up to much military scrutiny. But, yeah, the, the point of this one isn't necessarily, 
that captures a brilliant strategist. The point of this one is that she really misses Adora and refuses to admit it to anyone. Yeah, she absolutely misses Adora. She refuses to admit it, and she's using her position as a military commander to kind of, kind of justify just trying to bring her back. Which it's it's kind of funny actually because this is kind of a parallel to Shadow Weaver a little bit, right? Because like she's taken up Shadow Weaver's position in more ways than I think she would necessarily be comfortable acknowledging, right? Like, now she's the one who's like, ah, yes, we have to bring Adora back at any cost. We have to bring her back into the fold and and, and all of this stuff. When, you know, you remember back in No Princess Left Behind, she was ecstatic to have Adora just leave, just, you know, get out of here, you know, let, let me be the center of attention. Um, but of course, now that she's basically in Shadow Weaver's position and in command, she's uh, you're kind of doing the same thing a little bit. Not only is she trying to get Adora back at any cost, she's also fine, seemingly, with having Adora in like a mentally altered state. It's not memory erasure or mind control, but she's still not really in her right mind to do much of anything other than cause mischief. Yeah, like it's pretty darn close to to mind control when you're when we're dealing with like basically just keeping her constantly inebriated. So, not everyone on the base is down with this plan. In fact, I think the only one down with it is Katra, and Trap doesn't really seem to care, but the main thing about this episode, this is a Scorpia episode. This is the stealth Scorpia episode, I would say. Yeah, big time. In fact, uh, I would say that Scorpia probably gets the most screen time out of anyone in this episode, uh, with good reason, because, of course, this is the episode in which Scorpia is trying so desperately to just go on a date with Katra. She's trying so hard. It just isn't working out. Scorpia is just so she's crushing extremely hard and is trying her best but Katra is behind 55 walls of emotional isolation and uh, fake facades so it's really really hard to get at her yeah like one of the opening bits of the episode where like Katra is looking for like a space heater and she stumbles upon the um the the first one's disc like that opens up with Scorpia kind of giving herself like a like a pep talk trying to psych herself up she's like okay listen we're gonna ask her out we're gonna ask her out right now we're cool you know we're likable we have a special bond gonna go out on a date and it just <sighs> work just kind of gets in the way as as it does you know how it is and uh, not just work adora gets in the way which is like the thing that she notices in this episode is that, like you know that the main obstacle is that catcher just seems to have this bond with adora that she doesn't have with anyone else even when like she says even when they're trying to kill each other catcher and adora just seem connected in a way that's deeper than you know just rivals yeah like and it's true, like, they're, they, they have got, they, even Scorpia knows, right? Catra and Adora might not be willing to, to examine their feelings, but even Scorpia is aware that they're just, they just, they need to, they need to sit down and have a conversation, maybe, maybe several. I would say probably several. Um, so Scorpia gets kind of stuck looking after drunk Adora in this bunker 
um, like surrounded by all of these big spooky first ones bugs, you know, the, the classic. The first ones loved making gigantic robot bugs to guard their stuff. That is uh, seemingly all they did. Yeah, they made a bunch of robot bugs and colossal super weapons and ecological disasters. And I mean, I mean, let's be real. If you're a, if you're a major imperial power, of course you're going to do that. That's like that's the whole thing. So there's a couple of scenes I wanted to shout out in the, in this segment before Seahawk arrives. Um, first of all, there's an incredibly funny line read of Scorpio like having a little bit of a freak out and just going, "I'm a woman on the edge." <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. She's just, she's like, listen, I've had a real challenge of a day. She sounds so earnestly, like, done and stressed. It's incredible. <laughs> she's so stressed and she can't, she's mad. It's like, it's it's so good because, she, like, she is mad at Adora. But she can't be mad at Adora because she's not trying to be annoying. She's literally just messed up. yeah like adora is just kind of falling all over the place and like being kind of annoying and pressing a lot of buttons which by the way um adora knows catra's favorite number what is catra's favorite number that's a great question what could it possibly be is it 420 doubt it uh well how many buttons did she press i wonder i think it was like it was like three or four right all right, if it's three, it's 420. If it's four, it's uh, 1,337. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I agree with that. Um, but Scorpio doesn't like this fact that, it, yeah, of course you know Catra's favorite number. Ugh. Yeah, it's just like, it's really rubbing it in for her a little bit. But um... The second line that I want to talk about here is after they have been cut off by the big bug, you know, crashing through the, like, connecting hallways. Uh <laughs> Uh, Scorpia is looking out the window and has the line, I'm, I can't believe I'm stuck in the closet with you, talking to Adora. Yes. Oh my god. It's, it is such a good, it's such a good line. And then the actual, the best part about it is the actual, like, frame where Adora is just, like, really smugly glancing at Scorpia. Like, like, she, she knows. She knows. In her in her drunken inebriated state, she knows. Scorpia, I gotta tell you, I don't think you are. <laughs> like, I. Mm. Yeah. I mean, Adora, Adora certainly is. Adora certainly is, but but um. Adora certainly. It's just such a great line because. You know that that was on purpose. You know that that was a thing that they they put in there very purposefully. Oh, yeah. Huge. Big time. So that brings us to the next part of this episode. So not only is this a big Scorpio episode, this is also a surprise Seahawk episode. We haven't had one of those in a very long time. Yes. Uh, Welcome back to the cast, Seahawk. As it turns out, he's the guy with the car. So everyone calls him up when they need a ride. Um, and And they drive him... Uh, he, he drives everyone in his in his fun little boat uh, up into the frozen wasteland and uh, there's there's some there's some issues that are happening for Seahawk right now. He's kind of having an existential crisis a little bit. So apparently Mermista, obviously his like on again off again thing, you know, she's hanging out with her other friends, but she never invites him and he's he's 
he's having he's a bit down on it. He's like, am I not cool enough for her like other friends? What is it about me that's not cool enough? Like he spends the whole episode very worried about this. Like you know, he's he's always asking. He's trying to get some validation from the best friend squad here, but they are all too focused on you know the the task ahead of them they just kind of keep no selling him whenever he he asks am i i'm cool right come on now yeah it's he just keeps being like yeah i'm i'm cool right i'm a pirate you know i i know i know stories it's i have a boat I'm, i'm cool and and just nobody's engaging with it they're just like if we just if we just ignore it he'll stop talking about it and he's and he's so sad there's a bit where he's like trying like they're climbing out of the ravine together and he's trying to talk about it again like just in the middle of a conversation about what's going on and he slips and falls and Bo has to catch him with uh this like rope contraption shot from an arrow of course and he just starts singing a version of the Seahawk ballad where he's sad and saying he's like taken advantage of and nobody thinks he's cool. <laughs> so it's so sad. He sounds so depressed. He's so sad. He's just limply hanging while Bo is like dragging his ass up a mountain. <laughs> sad hawk. Sad he's, hawk. He is yeah, but you know, no one listens to him. Nobody care him um, until he bursts into the room that Adora and Scorpio are hiding in. And uh, folks, let me tell you, some magic happens. Yeah, some wonderful magic happens. Like first, of course, he's like, "Ah, yes, I'm here to save you, Adora." And then it turns out, you know, Adora's not actually in danger. She's just kind of being a nuisance. And um, and they kind of play tug of war with Adora's shoulders a little bit. Um, Siok, of course, has lost his lightsaber somehow um presumably i mean he doesn't pull it out so i assume he loses it but i think he has it later in the episode so maybe he just didn't pull it out um i guess he just didn't want to pull it out he didn't think it was that important yeah i guess not um and then uh adora's like oh catcher is so mean and then scorpio's just like no she's not she's just misunderstood you should know that of all people and then she like goes into like into how her day's been a little bit and then her and seahawk have like a little bit of a therapy sesh they just sit around and they talk for a little bit how they feel like they aren't appreciated in their relationships and how you know they they want to feel more like the the people around them care about them more than just for the stuff that they do right like Scorpio is more than just lifting heavy stuff and punching heavy stuff, and Cat and Seahawk is more than the guy with the boat. They feel like they need, you know, more respect, and they're right. And they're right. They do deserve more respect. And and then they have like, and they have this bit where they're like, you know, they're hyping themselves up and they're they're giving each other like a big pep talk. And <laughs> Tora is just kind of clapping for them and everything, and it's really cute. Uh, and then they're like, yeah, we're gonna go fight some bugs. And uh, they 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 burst into the into the main building there. Yeah. Before we finish out with this this final big action sequence, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. The the bow and glimmer are kind of not really in this episode that much. They're kind of in the background so that Seahawk and Scorpia can can really take the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, glimmer in this episode really really on that catcher beat. I'm telling you, she is. 
constantly talking about Catra. Yeah, she's like this is this is again it's kind of playing into like Catra is a little or I'm sorry, uh Glimmer is a little bit obsessed with Catra right now and you know it's it, it points in some directions, doesn't it? Anyone ever see that Tumblr post that's like when I was in elementary school, I had a crush on a girl. I didn't know how to deal with it or what it was. So instead, I just wrote her a note on her locker that said, get out of my school. <laughs> yeah. That's what this is. Yeah, that is literally just what this is. Like, Glimmer talks about Kasher more than Adora does in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. The dynamics in this show, they're still so good. They're- they're powerful um yeah so then they there's also the bo's main thing actually is that he is trying to get entrapped uh to like come back and, and stop working with the horde but she isn't really listening she's not really she doesn't really like seem to know what he's getting at because once again she's still not really thinking of this in terms of like oh i'm helping them out for their war effort or whatever she's like oh well they have all the science stuff so i'm just gonna go over here and like yeah friends over here i've got a lab partner over here like why would i go back yeah like she's entrapta is interesting this episode i feel like because she's kind of just doing her own thing for most of it like uh honestly everyone's getting really annoyed with her and like trying to kind of get her to cooperate with them and she's really just not interested she she's like like Bo Bo is trying to explain to her on the bridge fight in particular, like, hey, you know, don't you think this is like really bad? Uh, you know, you this this first one stack is really dangerous. You probably shouldn't mess with. It. And she's like, oh yeah, that's the fun part. And she just doesn't get like what the problem is. Um, and then of course, meanwhile, uh, on the other end of things, Katra is just like consistently so irritated with her because. Um, and Trapta is here to actually be a scientist, whereas Katra is just, like, extremely laser-focused on we have to find a big fancy gun so we can shoot them with a big gun. I want a laser gun. Yeah, like, she isn't interested in any of this, like, stuff you can build into a gun. No, it needs to be an actual gun. They need to pull a Glock out of the ice. <laughs> they need to pull a fuck. They need to pull a fucking Sig Sauer out of this glacier right now. Um, and you know, at the end, it's revealed. Oh, they they found the the first one's tech they were looking for a while ago, and Trapper just liked hanging out with them. Yeah, she like found this gigantic like disc in the ice at some point, and she was like, "Well, we're just having a lot of fun, so I figured we just like stick around a while," you know. Have some hot cocoa, do some science, you know how it is. Yeah, and the end of this is interesting because it's, it's this big fight over the disc. It's complete chaos. Um, Adora's stumbling around completely drunk. Uh, they're trying to break the disc. Catra's trying to keep the disc. Entrapta is just kind of rolling around. There's giant bugs smashing the place up. And through all of this, um, Scorpia is the one who, like... Man, who who takes it upon herself to destroy the disc and see Catra's like you got it you got it you listen you got it just just pocket the disc I'll I'll handle this bug, um, but instead she takes the 
um, she takes the momentum here. She she takes the initiative and decides, no, we're we're getting out of here. We don't need to do this. Um, and like Katra, I think at the end of that is is taken aback and somewhat impressed as because you know she looks up and she's gonna start to get annoyed obviously with scorpia um but once she sees how serious she is about this she is she kind of stops and and uh and thinks about it i think yeah like the the ending is a really interesting moment right so like katra has gotten herself dramatically in over her head and she's like i've got this i can handle this just keep the disc we need to we need to save it so we can use it for the plan and scorpia has a, a moment about this right because there's two very important aspects to this situation for her. Aspect number one is Catcher's gonna Catcher's about to bite it, alright? Literally, she is about to bite it. A thing is going to bite her in half. Uh, but two, and this is also very important, she is definitely thinking about the fact that if she preserves this disc, and and you know, Catcher does make it out of this, right? Like, I mean, she's stuck with a door at that point. <laughs> You know, it's like, like there's like there's it's a two layer situation because she's also like she very much cares about Catra and wants to keep Catra safe and she wants to you know be with be with Catra in 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 some shape or form and you know Adora is kind of an obstacle to that a little bit and you know like more than. You know, breaking the disc is more than just keeping Catra safe from the giant bug that wants to chomp her in half, but in Scorpio's mind also to keep her safe from, you know, kind of obsessing over Adora so consistently and, you know, focusing on, you know, the relationships uh, with people that, you know, Scorpio feels do care about her. For example, <clears throat> her. Yeah, it's... um. It's it's all very it, 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 it's it's very good, uh, and at the end of this episode, we kind of get the 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 development here of so Catra, this whole time doesn't really like being touched, right? She's she's very much got her her personal bubble, and it is very large, um, and that is something that Scorpio somewhat doesn't get and often uh, intrudes in. However. At the end here, when they're riding back on the boat, um, Scorpia or Catra invites Scorpia to share her blanket, and like that's that's a fairly big moment, I think. Yeah, it's a really really cute and touching moment, and it's a it's a big moment for her because you know like up to this point, yeah, she's been really really adamant about Scorpia in your respect of personal space. I don't want you hugging me. I don't want you touching me. I don't want you within five feet of me. Um, but, you know, after she's, like, been saved by Scorpia, and Scorpia's, like, just been really nice and, like, you know, has has really saved the day, honestly. I think, you know, this is an episode where Catra really, really comes around to, like, you know, to Scorpia, just in general. And, you know, she lets her in in this really, like, for Catra, like, that's a pretty vulnerable thing to do. It shows a lot of weakness, yeah. which is not something you want to, you know, do in the horde, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, like, and it's it's cute. Like, it's a really cute moment. And I also really like the very end where, um, where Scorpia is, like, just talking about, like, things they could do on a date together. Like, she's like, oh, you know, we did, I said board games. It doesn't have to be board games. We, we could go bowling. It's very, very hard for me because of my claws, but, you know, I like bowling. <laughs> 
I, I don't know how she likes bowling if she's never been able to really do it. I guess I guess it's just the the camaraderie of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, the thing here's the thing about bowling. Nobody actually the secret of bowling is nobody actually likes bowling, but everyone likes bowling with their friends. I like bowling and a bowl, you know, you get a pitcher of beer, you get some pretzel bites, and you just hang with your friends for like you know, a couple of hours and just just chill. That is that is the exper- the good experience of bowling. It really is. So that'll do it for the episode proper. Um, but you know, we got a few questions this week. Thank you all for sending in the questions. I always love to open up the curious cat and see that little red, uh, that little orange circle next to the, the 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 bubble there. Yeah, it's super great. Thank you. So all of these are from anonymous Curious Catra users. Uh, the first one is, a, I, I assume, a late submission for the Roll With It episode, but we'll do it here anyway. Uh, the princesses and Bo's different versions of Catra playfully teased uh, Adora. Do her friends know Adora has feelings for Catra? Her friends certainly imagine Catra hanging all over Adora. I mean, I think, yeah. Like, the thing is, right... Adora is not very good at hiding her emotions in any way. I I feel like it is fairly obvious that her and Katra very much have, uh, let's say, a complicated relationship with each other. And I I think I think Bo and uh, Bo and Glimmer definitely are aware of this. It's hard adora's really bad at hiding emotions from everyone else she's really good at hiding her emotions from herself by being very stupid yes um that is the main thrust there yeah i think definitely a lot like half of it and you know half of it could even be like adora imagining that stuff or like we're, we're looking into adora's head or whatever and she's the one imagining Catra and like teasing her and hanging off of her like that. That's a whole different story there. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a whole different mental state in that situation, isn't it? Adora, come on. <laughs> All right. Um, this next one is technically spoilers, so we'll do that. This ties into some stuff I'll be talking about in the spoiler zone. Um so then we got this one from an anonymous well, actually this one is not anonymous it's sent from an anonymous account but this is from gabe apparently um hi why that is one of my favorite episodes mine too i really like it first thing i really like the setting and has a the thing vibe this is true um not even necessarily it, it's mostly just the setting it doesn't really have the same paranoia or isolation that the thing has by the way if you're looking for a really good horror movie recommendation this halloween and you're all right with some pretty gnarly body horror john carpenter's the thing it's good it's pretty good i i'm a big fan of it uh fun fact that i i found out and this is like extremely just a completely random fun fact i guess it kind of works with this episode but uh did you know that every single year um when the antarctic research base like it goes into like the part of winter where they aren't allowed to like get any contact with the outside world functionally like no planes can get in or out um they they watch the thing on the first night that 
Uh, you could that just seems like a terrible idea you're just you're just asking for trouble at that point (laughs) it seems like a bad idea but also but also it makes sense right like i feel like i feel like i would like it'd be a bad idea but i would yeah like definitely i it's definitely the thing that i would imagine all those nerds up in antarctica would do right It, it fits perfect yeah all right. Second, I love the scene uh, where infected Shira fights Katra. Um, how you can see Adora has been holding back when it comes to Katra. Yeah, the, the the as we as we talked about the stark difference between Berserk Adora and normal Adora uh, is is quite quite uh, illuminating. Yeah, it super is. Like just the 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 lengths that adora goes through to like not inflict any permanent damage on katra but still like kind of incapacitate her versus berserk adora just being like hi i'm gonna kill you now i'm literally double your size and i have a sword um made out of glass and electronics and it will cut you into ribbons yep third the way katra gets genuinely scared because shira is about to definitely kill her and the way, and I, I find it interesting the way she calls out to Adora uh, before it happens. It's very telling of how she feels about her. Yeah, for sure. Like, like that that moment where she actually thinks, "Oh, she's gonna kill me," and she's basically just begging for her life. She's like, "Hey, Adora, remember it's me, it's Katra. You know, just remember the good times. Hey, please don't kill me. You you wouldn't want to do this." And like it like that moment where she really thinks she's about to die actually really similar to uh promise where when she got um ta- she got uh hoisted by the uh the spider bot and she's being drugged down the hallway um just completely wrapped up in like spider silk and she's she's calling out for adora and she's like genuinely really afraid she's gonna die like just that her her facade breaks down and when her facade breaks down she's she she reaches out to adora and tries to to get and get her help and i think that that uh it's a little bit telling isn't it whenever those cracks appear in that aloof mask you know it's uh it's it's She's she's not as good as hiding her her true feelings as she thinks she is. Not at all. Uh, continuing with this, you know, the 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 close out here with also Drunkadora and Scorpia are really funny. Love the podcast, Gabe. Well, thank you, Gabe. Big agree, and thank you very much. We're glad you're enjoying it. Uh, next one up here from anonymous curious catcher user. Uh, does Scorpia know Catra and Adora are a thing ish? Do Bone Glimmer know also? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think that ties into like what we were saying earlier too. But like, yeah, yeah, big time. Like, honestly, I think Scorpia is dramatically more aware of it than even Bo and Glimmer are. Really, like, Scorpia is the she she rolled a like z- she has zero int, but she has like uh, plus five whiz like she she is incredibly emotionally intelligent and she is entirely um on on the same page on the same wavelength that these two are uh in their subconscious like 
in this whole episode, like, Scorpia many times, like, she's just directly addressing the fact that she is competing with Adora here for Catra's love functionally, and it's re- it's, it's, it's a stiff competition. Now, I would not say Adora, or excuse me, Scorpia is greatly emotionally intelligent. I think she's not, you know, completely detached from her emotions or, like, unable to see what's going on like some characters are <clears throat> adora um but like she's definitely operating under a fair few layers of denial much like a lot of people in the horde are you know um but i think she definitely projects a little bit of catra's affections um i think uh, catra does like her i think but it, she's she's still a very prickly person and ever the ever the optimist Scorpio just kind of looks past all that. She does not see it. Yeah, but see the thing is, I don't necessarily think that that makes her less emotionally intelligent so much much as it just makes her like she's she's like she's not very introspective necessarily. Like she's more introspective than a lot of characters, I think, but like certainly not like to the extent where she understands like a lot of her own internal situation. Though again, that's like part of just the way she copes with things is she just kinda moves on, you know, just kinda walks on past it briskly and uh tries to keep her chin up and whatnot. You know, and she when she encounters a problem and an obstacle, she tries to just kinda work her way through it. And she sees, you know, a lot of Catra's prickliness and and whatnot as as part of that situation, I think. I mean, it doesn't take a whole lot to know when you're trying to you know date someone or get to know someone, and they just won't shut up about their ex. You know that there's something there that they haven't dealt with yet. Yeah, just so a little just bit. Like, yeah, you can't. There's not there's not enough space here. Your 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 ex is still living here in your heart, and you haven't kicked him out yet you gotta maybe there's some things you need to interrogate yeah but of course catra will never do yeah no no no. like adora lives entirely rent free in catra's head uh and vice versa really um i think yeah basically everyone is fairly aware of the situation i don't think anyone wants to bring it up really but i'm pretty sure everybody gets it yeah and the last one here which one that i quite like um i'm gonna have to this is a confirmed glimmering here (laughs) Um, but an anonymous curious catcher user sends in what the fuck is wrong with the first ones what the fuck is wrong with the first ones the first ones are um they, they don't seem like maybe the greatest uh people out there one what do we know about the first one fact number one they love making gigantic scary robot bugs Yep, they love making gigantic scary robot bugs. They like making um, re-traumatization machines. Uh, they have a virus that makes their greatest warrior go uh, battle crazy. Yep, yep. They um, they they really like weapons. You know, they made they made the sword of protection. They they made lots of weapons of, of war. It seems and and various technologies that you could use in weapons of war you know they they are obviously someone who people who have had a very large impact on ethereum and we don't really know the full extent of that yet but hey if you want to hear about that maybe you should stick around for the spoiler zone yes very true but as far as the base question goes what is wrong with the first ones 
Seems like a lot. Seems like, like a lot. Seems like maybe just a little bit of like an imperial situation, but uh, you know the thing about these precursor races. Um, the thing about the, these precursor races, they're uh, precursors because they're always gone, and you know that usually means something didn't work out. Yeah, yeah, huh? I guess that's uh, that's a good way to put it, isn't it? Something much to think about. Much to think about. Um, but with that, we will. Uh, this is the the sort of end of our main segment here. Um, just as a reminder, we've got a Patreon. Um, you, uh, the day you're listening to this, the day it goes up. Uh, the next episode of our Owl House podcast will be going up. Uh, watching episodes three and four of that, really getting into the spooky season. Uh, if you donate at three dollars, you can listen to that. And our Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts podcast, the Kipo Cast. Um, that's a really, that's just a lovely, very fun show. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of where both of them are going, honestly. And uh, I think those, I think those casts have also been just like really entertaining. So, uh, yeah, check those out. We'll also be doing some other fun uh, side Shira content. We've got the uh, Legend of Flame Princess book coming up at some point. We've got the uh the data book that kind of thing uh eventually we'll be taking a look at that um that fan fiction that noel stevenson wrote uh which is pretty cool um we also have by the way if you haven't if you haven't finished the series don't look that up that's spoilers oh yeah big huge spoilers yeah don't look that up yet um we also have some uh, fun stretch goals. Um, I think the one that's coming up is going to be the fan content roundup, where we look at like fan fiction and uh, AMVs and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, once a month, we're just gonna aggregate like a, a big fun fan fiction folder or you know AMVs, fanfic, fan art, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of talk about them and, and gush about them because you know there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a ton of good stuff, and I'm I'm excited to 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 crack into that. Oh, we also had a really uh, you know, fun idea for that earlier, so uh, keep yes. keep your eyes peeled for that. We've also got other uh, fun content coming up. We're going to be doing, if uh, if we reach our stretch goal for it, we're going to be doing a um, a real, a, uh, an actual play um, of the She-Ra and the Princess of Power um, tabletop game, which is a hack of Firebrands, which I'm very excited for. And it's going to be for the honor. That's the big one, you know. We'll, we'll work up to that, but uh, I'm very excited to reach it if we do. Um, we've also got another one of our, the middle stretch goal there is going to be uh, syncable commentaries, syncable riffs on the old She-Ra cartoon uh, once a month. You know, just just for some laughs, just just some some fun times, just laughing at that old show. Yeah, very, very fun. And, and of course, if you are a $3 Force Captain patron, you also get shoutouts at the end of every episode before the spoiler zone. So thank you to our $3 patrons, Tara Stark, TCO, Murderbot, Brennan Fitzgerald, David, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, DT the Shadow, and Danielle DuPont. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It's it's really great with all the support we've been getting. I think we actually got a new patron today, too. So, like, thank you very much. Join today. Thank you, Tara Stark. But with that, I think we have, uh, we're ready to get into the spoiler zone. And there's, there's a couple of fun things here to talk about. Like I said, one of our questions will tie into something I'm going to get into here regarding that virus. 
Um, so if you are jumping ship for the spoiler sea, uh, we will see you next week. But for those of you who aren't, we'll see you on the other side. So let's talk about this first one's virus because it's really weird. It's a really weird thing. It is that happens. It's bizarre. It's like so. So let's let's run let's run it down. Let's run down the very short history of this virus. Yeah. Introduced in season one, episode five, the entrapped episode, um, where you know it's pretty much all of its functions are are fairly. Uh, fleshed out it only infects first one's tech which is why it infects all of entrapta's stuff because she uses little bits of first one's tech and everything um in this episode it gets brought up again after she repairs it and we see that it has a, another effect on shira where that also makes her into a you know a murder bot basically um and then it gets broken and never comes up again yeah it's it's genuinely really strange. Like it's one of those like aspects of the show that really feels like it didn't get enough fleshing out. I think like it's, I I think it's fine where it's at, but like, it's also a little confusing. It's kind of like the hacking the planet stuff, right? Where like, that gets brought up exactly precisely one time ever and it's never readdressed or whatever and like part of the reason of that is because like you know once the the princesses kind of come together like it creates that force field barrier around the um around the the rune stones or whatever but at the same time it's also just like it's weird how there's these plot points that just drop and completely fall out of everyone's mind like they never existed now i will say on the hacking the planet thing that does come up because that is what horde prime is doing at the end of season five okay yeah i guess that's Um, that's true actually that is he that is more direct though because they didn't know about the heart of etheria what entrapta was doing was basically hacking into the runestone network Mm -hmm. um but prime is just going right for the heart he is he knows where it is so he's just gonna like he's literally just gonna drill down to the core and get his grubby little hands on it. Yeah, he's gonna drill a big hole in the planet and drop a USB stick straight into the heart of the planet and uh and just put some put some malicious code in there. Um and in fact we've the question we've got regarding the virus here is gonna it's from an anonymous, an anonymous curious catcher user who asks, Do you think that the disc possibly has something to do with Beast Island? At the very least, the disc was our first introduction to tech being corruptible. So the Beast Island connection is interesting because that is another kind of thing that isn't, you know, that's another mysterious First Ones thing that never really gets fully fleshed out. We don't really know what's up with Beast Island. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, Beast Island is 
is interesting. So one of the things that's actually introduced in this episode specifically is the concept that the first one's virus is like airborne. Like it is, it's a transmissible virus. Like the the sword of protection gets hit with it, but all of the big um, first ones like guardian bugs also get infected and they were nowhere near the scene. They were like in the pit. So um, it seems that these first ones viruses like have sort of a radio transmission angle to it and you really get that of course on beast island where the like central computer or whatever which is presumably where this whole situation is coming from um is sending out this really strong radio frequency that is um like corrupting anything on the island not just all of the the first ones like murder bots but also you know anybody who comes in contact with it like it's much stronger than the than the data disc yeah um when we get to that episode i'll be curious if i have like forgotten something about beast island that makes it make a little bit more sense um but the first ones in general just have a lot of weird mind controlly mind morphing stuff or like stuff that stuff that messes with your head that seems to be one of their specialties yeah for sure for sure like there's there's a lot of like there's so much like mental manipulation that's kind of going on with a lot of a lot of the characters and a lot of the like technology in this show right like the first ones are interesting because a lot of what they they try to do is so controlling like so much of it revolves around control and like ordering the disordered right like they they kind of tried to turn etheria into like both a like weapon platform but also like a garden world like they manipulated the ecosystem they manipulated everything they they channeled the the magic inherent in the in the world into the way they saw fit um and they kind of do the same thing with just about everything they touch you know like um shira which is like the concept of shira is like an ethereum thing like it existed before the first one showed up like shira's kind of I guess like the guardian spirit of the planet kind of um and they tried to kind of channel her and get her like locked down really and you know they they've done this with most things yeah it's interesting you know obviously the galactic horde and the first ones were bitter enemies they were they were rival empires basically um, and despite the, you know, the external, you know, out, you know, features of them, the Horde is, is very cold and technological. And the first one seemed generally much more fantastical, much greener. Um, every, every glimpse we get of them, they, they have, they have had very breezy looks and all this sort of thing. Ultimately, they kind of had the same MO and the same wishes. Like once again, um, Horde Prime also detests, you know, chaos and wants to order it all. Um, and, like, he he has a hard time 
grappling with why the first ones would try to mess with Etheria because that magic is simply too wild. It's like, why why submit yourselves to the whims of old magic? It's just, There's too much uncertainty. There's too many factors that could lead to your downfall. Yeah, like, I I think that that is a really interesting aspect of, like, the old, the old Empire rivalries, too, because it's just, like, like, they are, they are functionally very much the same. Like, it's this, it's this really interesting juxtaposition between, like, this very, like, deliberately like fundy fascist situation that horde primes got going on this like very cold and industrial and just despotic power that he has um but you look at the first ones or at least what we know of the first ones which obviously we don't have as much information on because they're all gone and we don't really get to see them in action but they also very clearly had their own dramatic imperialism they had their own like their their own sort of despotism to them like but it was it was it just a little different it's it's the the friendly faced kind of despotism like this this sort of neoliberal empire right versus the the kind of mask off fascist empire um that that horde prime kind of runs Right, like you get the feeling, you know, Horde Prime, we see him just glassing planets or whatever that he doesn't care about or that try to rise up. He doesn't, he doesn't really care about that stuff. He doesn't care about his image. He's the ruler of every known galaxy. He can just flex his fist and smash it of, of resistance. The first ones seem to, their process seem to be much, a little bit more insidious. They would like mess with the planet's ecosystem and, and magical ecosystem themselves they were not so much seemingly a military power just like a very expansive and very technologically advanced power and that just kind of allowed them to do whatever they wanted yeah and it was like and it's interesting right because you have you have the situation with with um the actual galactic horde right where like they are willing to glass a planet and do all of this right and that makes them the true evil but at the same time you look at the first ones they're willing to turn an entire planet full of sentient beings um into a gigantic death star and use it to glass and not just glass literally destroy any planet they want but you know they're the good guys. I'm doing air quotes with my fingers here. The good guys. And of course, that's just in reserve, right? You know, that's only if they really need it. Just as just as a as a retaliatory or a, or a preemptive strike, you know? Like we're the good guys. We would never do that unless we absolutely needed to. But of course, you know how that tends to go is that absolutely needed to is a uh, a very nebulous little little term that you can bend to your will very easily something that glimmer slides into in season four very much so yeah like so many ways that this show tries to kind of parallel its its characters and its societies in this way it, it works really well the the sort of slow reveal of the true nature of the first ones is, is still one of, I think one of the strongest parts of this show. The like chipping away at Light Hope's facade until it is revealed what what she is and what the first ones did. Until you're like, oh no, this is not 
this was not like the the heroic first ones versus the evil horde. No, they were both bad. It's just that one of them lost. Exactly, exactly. It's like, and and it's not even. I think it's very easy to come away from the situation and look at it like one is the lesser of two evils. But then you have to remember, like, the first ones also basically obliterated an entire planet's ecosystem exclusively to turn it into a really big bomb, you know, and, you know, put absolutely everyone on that planet at horrible risk of exploding um, and also being a huge target um, by turning it into a big bomb. And it's, you know, there's there's not a lot that's good there so so this it's really not a lesser to evil situation and especially because when you think about the the original rebellion right which we only get really tiny tiny glimpses of in fact i think the clearest glimpse we get is the line um where you know it's revealed what you know grayskull means and um like that that singular voice clip like you know they're they're currently that entire rebellion group is just being uh murdered by probably a bunch of big bugs you know presumably that seems to be the the first one's mo there um but yeah no they're friendly facade but they they are not remotely uh they're not remotely willing to uh to hold back if they feel like you know you're working counter to their interests and that's a great segue into my theory on this virus, because we never get much on the way of an explanation for who created it or why. Here's let stick with me here. Let me let me tell you. Here's what I think about this virus. I think that this was created during the first rebellion to try and gain some kind of control back with Shira. Because Mara obviously betrays them, and having Shira, you know, fighting against you isn't a position you really want to be in at all. So I think this virus was some kind of attempt to shut down the rebellion and like take Shira back, like take the sword back, um, without necessarily having to find a new wielder. Um, I don't think uh, maybe it was a failed experiment, and that's why they threw it away. Because obviously, it doesn't work very well. No, it super doesn't. But that that is actually really interesting i i don't know like part of me right part of me when i when i think about it one of the things that i've thought about is like what if you know it's the opposite situation what if this was like a rebellion virus they were trying to do like prior to um shira kind of swapping sides um and we don't know that much about Mara's rebellion, right? Like, we know almost nothing. So it's not really clear whether or not Mara was on the side of the rebellion to begin with or not. It's, you know, if we're... If any other aspects of the show to go on... Um, if any other aspects of the show are, are to uh, to parallel, you know, you would think that probably Mara was, like, on the, the bad team for a bit before she swapped sides. So... You know, I would imagine um, the the friends of Mara, the original Rebellion, probably they were good enough at, at hacking that they were able to kind of take a like version 1.0 Light Hope and kind of use her to defend the failsafe and and whatnot. And of course, they make the failsafe, which is 
in and of itself kind of a computer virus. So I wouldn't be shocked if the actual like virus disk was maybe like an original plan to either uh, take She-Ra out of the equation or even just the robots themselves, you know, send all of the bots into a frenzy and get them to attack each other and maybe the, the first ones who were like RC controlling them or whatever. I'm hearing this and I'm liking that one more and more actually. I think that is probably what it is, right? Like either we we won't know and we don't need to know, but it's fun to think about stuff like that. I I, I ten, you know, I, I started thinking there was the the first ones, but now you're right. I think this is a rebellion thing that just kind of got lost in the shuffle. Yeah, yeah. I I like I like the the idea too because it's it feels like a really like last ditch like like desperation move, right? Like you know, this this could very easily backfire on us, but we're really on the back foot here, and they have giant armies of infinitely replenishable evil death bots. Uh, we should probably have some way to at least make them, you know, lose their targeting parameters, if nothing else. Yeah. So, I guess the only other thing we want to hit here, um, we should talk a little bit about Scorpia and Catra, right? Oh, for sure. This This episode is really, I would say, like... There's there's some establishment beforehand, obviously. Um, even in in the the D and D episode we just had, like there's there's some establishment there. But like this is really the one where it's extremely just, just it's just text. It's just on the table. Like she is just straight up trying to go on a date with Katra, and it's it's incredible, really. Um, it's one of my favorite bits in the show. Yeah, and like this, these these sort of thing, this bond will only get stronger as it goes on, right? Because we will, um, we we will eventually get to the Crimson Waste stuff, where it 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 almost it almost reaches that conclusion. They, I think, they almost get together. Catra almost fully opens up. Um, whether or not that would have given Catra the closer closure she needs, I can't really answer, but. It was almost there, but um, that the 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 thing about Shadow Weaver once again uh, living in Catra's head rent free and just splintering all of that apart, you know, until she's so single minded. Uh, well, we will definitely talk about that scene once we get to the uh, the Crimson Waste episodes because who boy, who boy, yeah, indeed. Um, those are those are quite some scenes, but but yeah, like. Scorpion and Katra, like it's 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 a great it's a great pairing. Um, it's one of my favorites. It's honestly that was the one I was I was gunning for probably the hardest for most of the uh, runtime of the show actually because I, I I love Catradora. It's I mean we all do right. It's like you know you it's 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 perfect. But like Catra and Scorpia is also just super strong. Like I think Scorpia being like this there's there's an interesting parallel between the two of them i think um and and actually uh entrapta and hordak right like obviously entrapta and hordak is like a friendship situation um and scorpion catra ends up also being a friendship situation but in the romantic sense right like scorpia is kind of the entrapta to catra's hordak like she isn't intimidated by catra she isn't like she is fairly 
I wouldn't say necessarily oblivious, but she she just kind of walks past like Katra's abrasiveness and is just trying really hard to to kind of work her way through it and uh, and break down uh, Katra's defenses. Like it's more of an active like participation in this situation than it is with like Entrapta and Hordak where Entrapta is just kind of passively like that. Like Scorpia is much more like an active like trying to to kind of you know pick apart it at catcher's like 97 layer defense mechanism um but yeah like they have that kind of interesting parallel and i think that it's it's a it's a really interesting dynamic that they have and it's it's cool to to see that i think you know this this episode. You know, Scorpia says, "I'm never gonna leave her. I'll always be by her side because that's what I do. I'm strong. I'm loyal. I give I give great hugs." And I couldn't help but think about season four, where she does leave Catra because at that point, Catra is just a night. She's just a nightmare to be around. She's treating Scorpia terribly, and Scorpia, you know, is just so guilty about what happened to Entrapta, and realizes that like she can't help Catra out of this because Catra doesn't want to hold out her hand. She doesn't want any help. Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing, right? Is like once we get to season 4 and honestly even like the end of season 3, right? Like Catra gets to a point where she is she doesn't want help from anyone. She doesn't want any attachments to anyone. She is so brutally focused on just destroying Adora, destroying the rebellion, and winning. Like in season four, most of season four, she's not even thinking about the consequences of what happens when she wins. And I mean, she never is, right? But like, especially in season four, she doesn't care about what happens afterwards. She doesn't even care what happens to her, really. She is solely devoted to the idea of winning and to the idea of just ruining adora's life in specific and like she pushes everybody away she she makes everyone hate her like even even hordak of course she ends up like completely betraying him and making him hate her and scorpia makes the correct decision and she leaves and i think that's one of you know of course that's we've talked about it before but that's one of the most important like stabs to the heart that Katra gets that really makes her break down and then eventually turn around the the guilt she begins to feel about you know Scorpio just disappearing and how badly she treated her just starts eating away at her like that whole season is basically Katra just trying to stomp all of that guilt down like an overflowing trash can but eventually you can't bottle that stuff up anymore and it just it just burbles out into this complete breakdown um, she's in at the end of this season. Like, it's, it's, uh, it, season four is great. I can't wait to talk about that. And also her friendship with Double Trouble and how it kind of, like, it is, it is a very fascinating relationship that I feel never gets talked about because in the way that it, it kind of betrays what Catra wants but is unwilling to give to anyone else. Because Double Trouble always has this distance of it being business, and they're very friendly, and they joke around with Catra, and they do they do the funny faces with all of the Rebellion soldiers, but ultimately this is just a transactional relationship. There's no further depth. 
Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, there's there's so much to talk about with the double trouble catcher relationship. Like, they're first off, they're just like one of the best characters in the show, like hands down. But like, also, they they are very much like the they are exactly the worst person imaginable for Katra to like attach herself to like their their entire situation is like you said it's transactional like the two of them are having a very transactional relationship and because of the way double trouble is you know Katra starts having like this this actual emotional connection to them and it just she you know she gets that that final stab in the heart from them because you know she gets horribly betrayed just exactly the way that you know she's betrayed everyone else really you know you know she she doesn't expect it to come from them but of course they never really cared that much to begin with and it's kind of what she deserves at that point there's so much to talk about in season four but before we get to that we will be uh, having a 45-hour seminar next week because uh, next up is Light Spinner. Oh, yes. I hope you're really excited for us to talk about Shadow Weaver again because um, it's going to be a That's little it. bit of that in that episode, I think. That's all it's going to be. It's going to be an hour and change of just straight Shadow Weaver talk, pretty much. Um, yeah. It's all Shadow Weaver all the time, baby. That's it. Yeah, I could see that becoming like a two-hour episode, frankly, because, God, there's there's a lot of content to, to sift through there. Like, it is... We're going to bust out the colander, and it's going to be like three drops of water are going to drop out the bottom of it. Yeah, we, you know, we are, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as the Shadow Weaver scholars. She's a fascinating character. She has one of the best arcs. She's such fun to talk about. And that episode just gives us all of the juicy backstory details. Oh, yeah. And has so many far-reaching uh, threads that we can pull on in the spoiler zone. It's going to be a great time. Exactly. And we get to talk about Micah, which is fun. I, I like Micah. Micah, he's a gr- he's great. He is an interesting character due to the part of the story that he like re-enters in. Um, all of this stuff and more next week on uh, season two episode six light spinner which i would say probably my favorite episode of season two. Oh yeah it's definitely up there like i'll often reassess like what my absolute favorite is by the time we get to like the like the end end of season two but i feel like yeah certainly up there um yeah but with that you know you you can uh i keep forgetting to to plug the the twitter and stuff in the before segment but i don't know how many people only listen to that first half anyway uh regardless uh you can find us on twitter over at podcast of power uh give us a follow tweet at us about stuff i suppose if you like uh you got questions send us into our curious cat you got longer questions send it into our uh, gmail pot of power at gmail.com find us on patreon pot of power uh uh, or patreon.com slash pot of power i believe is that the url i keep forgetting i'm pretty sure it's pot of power yeah uh yes i believe that is the truth um also you can find all that stuff in our on our on our twitter we got like, all the links 
um, yeah, we this is uh, things are heating up here in season two. We're done with the filler. We're done with all that. We're just gonna get into the bangers from here on out, pretty much. Next week, Shadow Weavers stuff. Week after that, Bo's dads. Week after that, Crimson Waste. It's all going up. It's all going down. It's all going left. It's all going right. It's going all over the it place. It really is. Uh, but with that, I've been one of your hosts, Jane. And I've been the other host, Nero. And we'll catch you on the other side of Pod Caspondos.